What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Push the Tempo podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle. I'm here with my guy, Ari. Today, we just wanted to, you know, touch base on a couple teams. So, I mean, let's just get into it. So, first, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but at first, you know, I think the most recent news that has come out about the Brooklyn Nets is Kevin Durant hurt his, his MCL again. I mean, I think this is an injury he suffered maybe two out of the last three years. Um, and they've all kind of happened like similarly with guys just falling into like his legs. Um, and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. That means he could miss more than two weeks. Um, it's a really big blow to the nets. Um, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into them after, but I want to get your thoughts first on what's been going on with them with KD in particular. Well, obviously the, the nets have been on a very good winning streak as of late. I mean, I know they just lost, but Winning 18 out of 20 games in the regular season is, is still really good. I mean, this is a team that everyone kind of wrote off, especially with, you know, the whole Kyrie saga, I guess you can say. So that all happened. And that same team, six weeks later, it's a completely different team. Um, uh, aside from the KD injury, I mean, this is a team that we all know has masterful talent. I mean, KD and Kyrie are both top 10, uh, top 15 players. I don't know if we can go to top 10, but they're definitely top 15 players for sure. I mean, maybe Kyrie being in the top 15 is a little bit stretching it, but nonetheless, these two players and this team as a whole is a very talented team. So with that KD injury, that definitely, that definitely hurts, um, especially with all the momentum they've been gathering. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say what they'll be for the rest of the season. I know that KD will probably be back around a month's mark, but, um, you know, kind of reintegrating him, and kind of getting back to speed is going to be tough, especially with, you know, all the momentum that they've been gathering. Yeah, and I've been looking at the Celtics schedule. Uh, man, it's so unfortunate that this injury happened because this upcoming game, uh, they were playing the Celtics, like one of the two teams they've lost to during like, this this really hot streak that they've had. Um, I think that the Celtics game that they played in December was the only game they lost the entire month. So I was really looking forward to this game between the Nets and the Celtics. But, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule, after the Celtics, they played the Thunder, who are quietly, like, a very competitive team. Like, I know, I know, like, the talk about them is that they're tanking, they're doing this, blah, blah, blah. But they're competitive, man. They have a really good player in SGA. The Spurs suck. The, the Suns, I mean, we could probably talk about them another day, but they've really struggled, you know, without Devin Booker. Uh, you know, Chris Paul has been out. Cam Johnson's still out. Obviously, Jay Crowder hasn't played for them this year. Uh, but they also just beat the Warriors, who got Steph back. Um, the Jazz, the Jazz defense is bad. Uh, they play the Warriors, the 76ers. So there's some good teams in there. You know, I can keep going on. But there's some good teams in there. So there's some bad teams. It's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, and we'll see how, you know, Kyrie can take the load as the number one guy the scoring load as the number one option. And we'll see who can, you know, fit around and like, you know, fill in the, the, the crevices around him. But man, it's a really, it's a tough blow, man. Like Kevin Durant to me, like I know a lot of people think Jokic is the MVP or, or Luca or Giannis, whatever. To me, Kevin Durant was the MVP this season. I, and it, we're, again, we're 40 games in, into the year. Like maybe it doesn't matter. This could change, but man, Kevin Durant to me has been, one of the probably the best scorer in the NBA this season. Like he's shooting like ungodly percentages from the mid range. Mid range is like a layup for him. Like he's the most unguardable three level scorer in the league right now. And 
to me, what has been the most surprising thing about him this season is his defense. Like early in his career, Kevin Durant wasn't known as a stopper. When he got to Golden State is where he really got, you know, a reputation of being a very smart defender, particularly like as a, as like a help defender. One of the biggest reasons, you know, the Nets have been able to turn around their season. At one point they were like, a, they started like two and four or something like that. And they were like a, a below 500 team. You know, during this 20-game stretch, with like I said earlier, they've won 18 out of 20. They're the fourth best defense in the NBA over a 20-game stretch, while also being the best offense in the the second or tied for the best offense with Denver in the NBA. Um, and a big reason for that is Kevin Durant. Like when you think of the Nets, you think of their you, and you think of their defense, you would think it'd be like Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons. I would argue Kevin Durant has been the Nets like probably their second best defender after Claxton, who's taking a jump this year. Royce O'Neal is obviously very important as well. Um, I mean, it's a tough blow. Like I, I really enjoy watching KD. He's one of the all-time greats. And it's unfortunate that he's getting injured again. Um, you know, you just hope. And from from what was reported, I think they're, they're hopeful it's not like as bad as it was last year so he can return sooner. And, you know, it's not going to – there's nothing going to be lingering. But, yeah, sorry I went on a bit um, – Oh man, uh, I'm I'm very excited for this Nets team. I'm a lot more confident in them now than I was before. Really? Um, I mean, yeah, of course, as opposed to six weeks ago, of course, we're all a lot more confident. But with this KD injury, do you still feel like this this is a championship team, or do you think that you know this is a momentum stopper? I mean, I mean, with KD out, obviously they're not a championship team. Like if he misses the rest of the season, which is not going to happen. But if they have Kevin Durant healthy, if they have Kyrie available, like would I say they're the best team in the Eastern Conference? No. But my hot take is I think they might be better than the Bucs, to be honest. Like, the Bucs have not been playing well. Like, I know Giannis has put up these big stats. Um, and, you know, they've won a little bit. But they just got blown out by the Hornets. Um, like, their their offense stinks. Like, their offense has been really, really bad. Like, they're like a, a bottom six offense. Their half-court offense stinks. Um, you know, I know people talk about Kawhi and, like, what he looks like coming off injury. Like, Middleton has been like really bad, like quietly really bad, not playing well. Um, this isn't about the Bucks. I, I like the Nets chances and they still have stuff. They still have room to like make moves. Um, they have the two picks that they got from Philly. Uh, like they have these, you know, tradable contracts like Seth Curry. Um, they have some young guys like Cam Thomas and De'Ron Sharp. They have some things they can move around if they need to make another trade for another like whatever it may be like another forward or some, a big man who can hit free throws because that's an issue, you know, with Simmons and Claxton. Um, but I think if they get like one more forward, like I know Kyle Kuzma is a name that has been linked to them. If they can like pull that off, which I don't see why not. Like if they have two first round picks, I don't know anybody else is going to offer two first round picks for Kuz. Um, then I, I would be pretty confident in saying they could probably win the Eastern conference. Will they do it? Maybe, maybe not. But they it gives them like a pretty good chance in my opinion. Dude, that that was a juicy trade right there. If they were to get Kuz, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. They're pretty scary as it is. But if they were able to add somebody like that, that that would just open up a lot. Um, so I just want to quickly touch on two things on the Nets. Um, one is just how quickly they changed. I mean, I know we talked about the whole Kyrie thing. We're not gonna dig a deeper hole with that. But their defense changed too. I mean from the beginning of the season to what they are now is just a, a complete 180. It's almost like 
the Celtics from last year. Um, and obviously, this time around, it has to do with the coaching change, which I think overall was a great thing for this team. Um, in particular, do, do you know why there was such a big change, like other than the defense? Like, or I guess you can say what caused the defense to change? Was it just the coaching or was it like more of an effort all around? Um, I mean, I think I think it's everything. Like, like you could tell, man, that they just weren't responding to Steve Nash. You know, Nets fans, I know we're really tired of Steve Nash. Um, and Jacques Vaughn, like, I, like I'm saying, man, like deserves a ton of credit um, for turning their season around because like maybe like just a few games into the year, like it was looking like a disaster. They fired Nash. They were linked to Ime Udoka. And then they a report was out that they That's aren't going to hire him. Uh, yeah, sure. But then they hired Jacques Vaughn and he deserves a ton of credit, man. Like there's been like some quotes from KD saying that like they all believe in him and they are like fully bought in into what he's preaching, you know, as a coach. So he deserves a ton of credit for having the guys like man, getting superstar players like Kevin Durant, who've done everything, who've won championships, you know, who have won a certain way. It's hard to get guys like that to buy in, like, like to what you're preaching. Um, not saying though those guys are like tough to coach, but like these guys, like, like they, they've seen winning at the highest level. So, you know, it's hard for a guy, Jacques Vaughn, who before the Nets, like has had kind of a spotty coaching record, not a great, like win loss record. Um, but credit to him. And again, credit to the Nets for turning their season around because at one point it was looking really rough. And now, you know, this KD injury puts a little bit of a dampener on things, but they're the second seed in the Eastern conference. Right. And I, something that I, th- I have been watching a little bit that I think is not being talked about enough is the potential four five matchup in the Eastern conference. Right now, the top five are, in my opinion, what I think most people thought would be the top five in any order. It was going to be Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, and Cleveland, right? That four five matchup. If you can get a top three seed, you're very like, you're guaranteed, basically guaranteed to make it to the second round. If you're stuck in that four or five spot, it could be any of those teams. Like you don't want to be in that spot because you want to just guarantee yourself a first round win. Basically um, like Philly and, and Cleveland, like who's going like all these teams have a ton of pressure on them. Like Boston, ton of pressure, high expectations, Brooklyn, all these teams have very high expectations. So you don't want to be the team that ends up in the four or five and has to play another really, really great team. Right. Cause I think we can both agree that the top five in the Eastern conference are all very, very good teams. I want. I just want to hear your thoughts about that. Oh no, I to- I totally agree. I mean, in terms of star talent, they're all you know a top tier right there. And in terms of team talent, of course, they're 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 there as well. I mean, these teams. I don't know. I can't really say who's gonna win it all between these five. I mean, out of those five, I mean, I think Cleveland is the weakest link. Although they do have some crazy, you know, st- uh, firepower. But I mean. At any given night, every any given matchup, you can't really tell who's gonna win out of these guys. I mean, now you got Embiid, who looks like a freaking monster now, um, and Harden that's starting to kind of, kind of get back into All Star shape, superstar shape even. And it's like, man, I, I really can't tell. I just know that, like you know, it's really gonna come down to health in the playoffs and consistency. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm pretty excited for the um for the playoffs to start because then we'll really get to know what's what's really cooking. I mean, 
looking at the Western Conference, it's a, it's a lot different. The Eastern Conference is so much more competitive. So I think I think this time around, everyone's going to be watching the Eastern Conference playoffs because it's going to be crazy. Um, so yeah, that that that's enough about uh, the Nets. Do you want to move on to the next team, or do you have more to say about the Nets? Um, I just have, I just have one quick thing to say yeah. about the Eastern Conference and Western Conference comparisons. I definitely agree. I think the better teams this year um, are in the are in the East, like. The only team from the West right now, like current current play, I could say that I'm very confident in like being like very very good compared to like other East teams is like the maybe Denver, and Go to State to me has championship equity. I think I still worry a little bit about Memphis Memphis shot creation, but I like them a lot. New Orleans, but I think Memphis and New Orleans like maybe a tier under teams like the Celtics and you know the even the Bucks, even though like I just said they've been struggling, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I think the the West, there's a ton of teams that are like all around the same level. Like, like the for example, the fourth seed Dallas, right? They're 23 and 19. They're four games above 500. They're only three games out of the play-in, right? Like Utah is under, like basically Utah, like Phoenix is the seventh seed. They're 21 and 21. Golden State, Memphis, Golden State, Minnesota, who we're going to talk about, and Utah are all under 500 and they're in the play-in. So I think the top of the Eastern Conference is very – it's like kind of top-heavy, just like five teams that we know are going to be very good. And the rest of them are kind of middling, even though the Pacers have been playing pretty well and the Knicks as well. Um, but, yeah, that's that's really all I had. Dude, I actually had a good question for you before we move on. Um, so obviously Katie's going to make the All-Star game. But uh, would you say he's one of the starters if we have to keep the format where – you can't count Giannis as a center, and you can't count um, Tatum or whatever as a as a guard. Uh, man, this is this is really tough because I think all the I think the Eastern Conference has all the great forwards. Like the only great forward right. this year in the in the West is like LeBron, right? And Jokic is a center, exactly, but yeah. like if you look at the East, they have Tatum, KD, Giannis, and Bede. That's three. That's four front court players who are you know, have been playing at, like, MVP level, right? And then you look at the West, they have all these great guards. And the, the East, who's the who are, the like, the great guards in the Eastern Conference? It's, like, Tyrese Donovan, Halliburton Donovan and Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell and Kyrie, right? Those are three. And you look at them. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, I wouldn't put him at that level. Like Trey like, Young's up there, too, but I don't know about eh, this season. Eh, I don't know about this year. I'm with you. I'm with you. I would, I would you, consider him a good guard, but I wouldn't consider but he, him. But he hasn't been that, right? Right. You, you look at the you look at the Western Conference. You got Shagoch Alexander, Steph Curry's missed time, but before he was he got hurt. He was like playing MVP level as well. You got Devin Booker who's hurt now. Um, you have uh, damn, I'm, I'm blanking out of nowhere. Just just kind of you got to fill me in with some more names. I'm I'm definitely missing some. Um, but the so my my point is that there's a ton of really good guards, uh, uh you know who who are in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Western Conference, I'm sorry. Luka Doncic, I, I had to forget that. Um, Damian Lillard, right? There's a ton of really good guards in the West. So if I had to – sorry, I went a little bit of a tangent. If I had to pick in the Eastern Conference, this might be a bit of a hot take. I think Giannis is coming off the bench. I think, okay. I think KD has been better than him this year. I think he's had a better overall season. I think, I think Tatum has been just as good. The team record helps there. And I think Embiid has been very good this season. Um, so if I had to pick one to come off the bench, I know it's not – I know it might be a hot take because Giannis is arguably the best player in the world, 
but to me, he's the one who has to come off the bench for the All-Star game. Honestly, I like it. Um, my opinion is going to be a little bit different just because, I mean, Katie being injured really makes this an easier decision for me. Um, I like to factor in game play. You know, durability really matters to me. So, I mean, that makes it easy for me. Like, obviously, this is if Katie misses a ton of games, um, then it would obviously be Katie. But if we're not factoring that in, I actually agree. Uh, I went through the stats the other day of Giannis. Um, I've been I've been looking at it, and I don't, like, necessarily believe that Giannis has gotten better, even though his stats, you know, have gone up. I mean, his, his uh, points per game has gone up, but his efficiency has gone down. He's getting more turnovers, less assists. He's shooting way more, but he's shooting worse. You know what I mean? So just because of that, I mean, Katie is almost like a 50-40-90 guy. And Tatum has just been unbelievable. I mean, Tatum has basically been a version of Katie. Um, but his team, obviously, team record matters. So I think that I would also have Giannis coming off the bench, unless we're factoring, factoring in durability, where I got to go with um, uh, Katie off the bench. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I just think, like, like you just said, I think Katie's been better than Giannis this season. Tatum has obviously been amazing. Um, and I think Joel has been really great, too. Like, he's having an underrated year. Um, but, you know, enough of that. I guess it's probably time now. I, I guess we can move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are now, you know, they're 20 and 21. They're on a four-game win streak. Uh, you know, they've been playing some solid ball as of late. But, you know, I think, you know, Minnesota fans, you know, when they made the the big trade in the offseason, I think they had, you know, rightfully so, they had a, a very, you know, they had a high standard. And unfortunately for them, Minnesota has not lived up to it. I know Carl Anthony Towns has missed some time. But, you know, just quickly, I wanted to hear your thoughts on, like, what Minnesota's been going through. It's tough because last season they were a really fun team. I mean, they had guys. I mean, personally, I love Pat, Pat Bev, but they had like energy guys like Pat Bev. You know, they had Vando. Like they had all these guys, Anthony Edwards dunking every other play. You know, it was amazing to see all those young guys kind of work together and you know give themselves a playoff spot and you know make you know to just kind of a shot in the playoffs. But this season they're just not playing playing well together. I mean. Earlier in the season, Anthony Edwards had, like, no dunks. And when a reporter asked him, you know, he was like, oh, it's just a part of the game. You know, how do you expect me to dunk, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the true answer is Rudy was kind of uh, clogging the paint. You know what I mean? It's the same issue that they were having with uh, with uh, Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz when Rudy was there. So it's, to me, like, Rudy might be an X factor, but he he's really not, in my opinion. I think that he might be... This might honestly be the worst trade in NBA history. I mean, considering what they gave up. And I think that this Timberwolves team is just not cut out to be a contender. They're probably going to be a middle-in-the-pack team for years to come. And um, I'm not going on a tangent about Rudy Gobert, but it's pretty much the whole team overall. I mean, Anthony Edwards is probably the only guy I can say is, that is starting to make that leap. Um, now that Cat's gone, there's a little bit of a more touches for him and a little bit more uh, space for him to kind of operate and be at. But I mean, D'Lo, I don't think it is the future point guard of this team. I think D'Lo is a good player, but I don't think he's a great player, if that makes any sense. So I don't really think that, you know, this team is really going to get over that hump and be a, a, you know, like a deep playoff run team. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think I probably agree with that. And but when I say like up and down season, like you take, for example, they they beat the uh, 
They beat the Denver Nuggets, who, like I mentioned earlier, they're the best team in the Western Conference. They're tied for first with Memphis. But the game before that, like, they got they, – they, they lost to the Detroit Pistons. Like, when you talk about an up-and-down team, like, it's like, what's going on? And obviously, like, Carl Anthony Towns has been out. Like, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. I don't know what his future is with the team. Like, he's on an expiring contract. Uh, I'm very doubtful he gets anything close to the amount of money that he did on his previous contract. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded, you know, to to recoup some value. But, man, like, you're you're talking about Gobert. I think Gobert is a good player. But, man, to me, it's so hard to justify, like, committing that much of your cap, committing that many assets to a guy you cannot consistently ask to score the basketball. You can't give him the ball and say, give me 20 to 22 points. Like, he's a great defender. You know, I think he's slipped a little bit defensively this year. He's still very good. But, like, you can't give him the ball and say, hey, can you go hit the shot for me? Like, like the only really way he can score is, like, if he gets, like, deep post position and he, like, seals his man or, you know, he cleans up offensive rebounds. You can use him as a roller, but you can't throw him the ball like you would, like, a, a Jokic or an Embiid. And he's not that level of player, and that's fine. But committing that much, like, cap space to a guy you can't ask that of, it's just a really tough position to be in, in my opinion. Right, especially because, you know, what he's contracted to, what, 2026, is it? Uh, something like that. Let me look it up real quick. Right. Either way, that's that's crazy to commit so much to a player like him. I mean, we, we know, we've seen the clips – I mean, his main issue is he can't really score in the paint and he can't really catch. He has yeah, like, stone respect, hands. Exactly. Respectfully, he has no hands. Like, he can't catch the ball clean. Even when he does, he can't put it up. Like, he he looks like a – respectfully, he looks like a, you know, a third grader trying to put up a shot with, like, two hands on the ball. It just doesn't look pretty. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. I mean, that was a huge issue with the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, and it's, it's just reoccurring. But uh, other than that, I mean, in comparison to I know I know we're not really talking about the Jazz here, but like for what they gave up, it's just disgusting. I mean, I mean you had this conversation. Uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, and I was saying that Walker Kessler, who was in the trade, he was the twenty second pick overall, who was traded to the Jazz for Rudy, might honestly be better than him, or in fact, you know, maybe not now, but in two to three years, he will be. He's averaging more blocks than Rudy is right now. And talking about blocks, I've seen a statistic that Shea has more blocks than Rudy does this year, or the same amount of blocks as he does this year, which is just insane. Like, Shea's a guard. So, I mean, I don't know if this speaks volume to the Timberwolves team defense or Rudy's defense, or I don't know what the heck's going on with the, with the Timberwolves, man. But I don't know. They they got a lot to figure out. Um, going into the season, you know, Chris Finch was actually the favorite to win coach of the year, but that's definitely not panning out. It's, it's really hard. They're in a tough position. I just wanted to, you know, follow up on the contract. Uh, he has, including this year, four years on his contract left, 38 this year, 41 next year, 43 in 24, 25, and then a $46 million player option in 25, 26. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of money, man. Like, and he's already 30 years old. Like I said, he slipped a little bit defensively this year. And I think you mentioned about Walker Kessler. I think he's – I mean, Rudy's better than Walker Kessler. Like, the, the Jazz, their defense stinks. But let me – let me. I've, I've, I was looking at the numbers just like yesterday. 
and they're they're one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Let me just look it up real quick. Um, they are they're the 26th ranked defense in the NBA, so they're not good defensively. But the issue is that you aren't committing so much of your cap space to Walker Kessler the same way you are to Rudy Gobert, right? Like, so exactly. that means you have you have more you have more room to operate and go fill other positions, like. The, the Timberwolves this year, uh, Rudy Gobert with him on the court in 1,106 minutes, they have a negative 2. 2.0 net rating, right? They have a 109.8 offensive rating and a 111.7 defensive rating. With him off the court, they actually have a positive net rating. Their defense gets worse with him off the court, but their offense skyrockets. It goes from 109.8 to 118.5. With their defense, like I said, it goes up from 111.8 to 116.5. But their offense, like I just said, it skyrockets with them off the court because, you know, it opens up more space. And, you know, unlike Gobert, I know Cat's been out for a while, but even Nas Reed can stretch the floor and, you know, open up more driving lanes for a guy like Anthony Edwards, who's a really good slasher. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of like where it is with Gobert. Is like He's a very good player, like no doubt, but it's just really hard to justify like committing that much of your cap to him because it, it leaves you with such little margin for error at other spots on the court. Right, exactly. I mean, there's really no value in his contract um, if he's not really doing what he's supposed to be doing. And again, in comparison to Walker Kessler, a guy who's averaging more blocks um, might not be the better player, but is definitely the more valuable player in terms of contracts. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't really know where the Timberwolves go from here. I mean, I know they just had new management, you know, they were, I mean, not management, but um, like a new ownership. ownership. Yep. Yeah. Uh, right. Alex Rodriguez, Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez. Um, and that's the thing. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, it's like new owner syndrome, right? Like, like an ownership. Exactly. Like takes over. They want to put their mark on the franchise. Right. And the Wolves last year, they made the playoffs for the first time, for the, like, the second time in like 16 years, right? Um, or whatever. I think the last time they had made the playoffs was like maybe 2006. It was like two or three years before they traded Garnett. And they obviously made it in 2018 with Jimmy Butler, right? But they lost in the first round to Houston. Like ownership, they come in, they want to put their their stamp on the team. Like we see this all the time. We saw this with the Nets, you know, when they traded, like Mikhail Prokhorov, when he traded for Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, and he set the team back like years, you know, because of the assets he gave up for an older, older aging core. I don't necessarily want to say, you know, that um, that Minnesota has done the same thing because they didn't trade all there because they have a young, talented player in Anthony Edwards, and if need be, they have like a they have a get out of jail free card with Carl Anthony Towns. If they want to trade him, they can. He is, I think he's only, he's only like 26 or 27. So he's still like relatively young. Uh, he's 27 and he has years left on his contract. Like I personally, like, I don't, I don't really view Carl Anthony Towns like very highly. I think, I don't know if you can win a championship with him, but he has a ton of years left on his contract. So like, that's something if they wanted, they could probably move him. No, that's definitely possible. Um, I, I really like your point about the new owner syndrome. I mean, that's a hundred percent like legitimate thing. Like it's not just, you know, you know, something that we all made up. It's legitimate. I mean, if you're a new ownership, you know, you want to take over, you want to make, 
you know, leave your stamp on things. So that's definitely exactly what happened here. And guess who was on both sides of that, uh, that Nets trade and also this uh, Timberwolves trade? It was Danny Ainge, which is crazy to me. I mean, maybe like I, like some GM should take note of that. I guess the way to make your franchise a little bit better and get a lot more assets is to look for these new owners. But uh, yeah, I guess it is what it is. Um, I don't really know where the Timberwolves go from here. If you had to predict where they end up at the end of the season in terms of record and in the playoffs, if they were to make it, where would you put them? Uh, man, I think I don't want to say the top six are set in stone um, because like it's been so weird. I think Denver, Memphis and New Orleans are guaranteed playoff teams. Like I think I think that's just I don't think I don't see any of them falling off like Denver. Obviously, they have Jokic. Memphis, very deep. John Moran is great. Jaron Jackson is leading the league. In, I'm pretty sure he's at the top of the league in blocks. And he's only played like 15 games. Um, New Orleans, like they lost Ingram and now Zion, but they're just very deep. They're very good. After that, it gets a little bit dicey to me. Like Dallas is four right now, but they've had a really easy like last 10 or so game schedule. They played Houston a bunch. They played San Antonio. Um, I could see them falling off if, you know, Luka gets hurt or like just even like the supporting cast around him is not that good. Sacramento, I really like Sacramento, man. I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. I'm obviously rooting for my Clippers to make the playoffs. Um, Phoenix, it's weird because they don't have Booker. And like I mentioned earlier, they have stunk when Devin Booker has not played this year. I still think the Warriors will make it. So if I had to guess with Minnesota, I think they make the play-in. From there, it can be any any anybody's guess like what happens. But I think they lose in the first round if they that's do make crazy. the playoffs. That's crazy. I had the same prediction. I thought they were going to lose the plane, but that's crazy. We have a similar thought. I like that. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, the West is just so weird, man. Like, like the Utah Jazz and Trailblazers are basically tied for 10th. Um, Utah has a tiebreaker, so they're the 10th seed. Portland is 11. There's just not a lot of separation between five – basically between four – down like anything could change i think the top three are kind of set in stone but everything after that can change like it's not impossible that things could get shifted around after three that's fair that's fair all right uh let's call it for this pod uh we went through a ton of a ton of stuff i mean the nets the timberwolves i mean we could be wrong but honestly man the way this season is going i feel like we're pretty spot on but we'll figure out um all right one last question do you think the nets will win the championship this year yes or no uh, or if you had to put odds on it, what would what would your odds be on it? Uh, I'm not a betting man, but right now, right now, if Kevin Durant can get healthy, I if I do, if I see them making a move, which I think they can because they have the assets, I think they are hot take. They're the second best team in the Eastern Conference. I like that. I think I like they're that. the second best team in the NBA because I think they're better than Denver. Um. So yeah, um, I'd probably say they make the conference finals, unless the Bucks figure it out and we see something from Middleton. Cause I'm right now I'm at a show me. You got to show me something from Chris Middleton right now. Like I get it. He's been hurt, but the similar with Jamal Murray, man, like I got to steal. Like, I understand it's unfortunate that you got hurt, but like you have to prove it to me. Right. Um, so they're, to me, they're the second best team right now in the East, which probably means they're either the second best team in the league or the second best team in the West or the second best team, like just overall. And I like that. It's a perfect way to end this pod. All right. With that being said, peace out, guys, and we'll catch you guys on the next pod.